think mailing lists are so effective because they allow you to show up you know, in people's inboxes. And again, that's the power of an email list right there is that almost everybody has an email. Email's still how the world runs. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. I've said it before, but our email list is our most valued marketing channel. Today, Vanessa and I explore why that's the case and how you can implement all things email marketing in your business. After recording this episode, I realized that there probably needs to be a part two, probably a part three as well, on more advanced email marketing strategies. But if you're looking for another episode to help you get started with email marketing, I highly recommend my interview with Nate Grahek, the founder of Sticky, where we walk through the ins and outs of email marketing in a really organized manner. I think it's one of the more underrated episodes on the podcast, and you can find it between episode 24 and 25. Before we get to the episode, I have a request. If you have enjoyed the Brands at Book podcast, would you just take a minute to rate and review the podcast on iTunes? Doing so will help this podcast get more visibility, and it means a lot to me. Be sure to check out the show notes at davianchrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And like I said, we want to hear from you. So feel free to reach out on any of our channels, email, Facebook, Instagram, the blog, wherever, and let us know what you want to hear more of. Now, on to the episode. We're back for another episode of the Branson Book Podcast. And again, I have with me Vanessa Kynes, regular co-host now. I love it. I love being on the show. I don't have to do any, I don't have to worry about marketing it. I just show up <laughs> for the Skype, for the Skype call. It's great. Well, you make the conversation that much better all the time. So I appreciate it as well. Today we are chatting about building an email list, why you should have an email list. And this is something that I've written about before, but this blog post, and I, I share about it a lot, is a couple years old now. So I thought it'd be good to revisit email lists. I think there is some more there's some more noise out there about email lists not being effective anymore and things like that. And I think most of that is just not true. You know, people say that about blogging uh, still, you know, that blogging is dying and so on and so so forth. And I think a lot of that noise is just not true. So we're going to talk about why it's important to have a mailing list today and how to get started with one as well. Do you have an email list? I have an email list. I love having an email list and I would highly recommend it because I think it's the main way, at least as a service provider who also has a digital product of telling people about your digital product. Absolutely. So- I would also say that for most, I think most people who have an email list and sell something, whether it's a service or a product, certainly I think if it's a product, would say that it's their one of their or their highest performing channel in terms of getting the sale. Would you agree? Yes. And actually, this is really interesting. Like sometimes people just don't like email lists are really valuable at telling people, let's say you're having your sale or you have a new product. A lot of people just don't know. They're not following you on every single social channel. Maybe they don't see it. And this week this happened to me and it made me think of my email list 
my kids are homeschooled and there's a big sale going on with this one piece of curriculum. And I would never have known about that had they not emailed me. So it's just helpful. Like people who've already signed up to hear from you, let them know what's going on. Absolutely. And I think that that's really key, especially when you hear about things like blogging is dying and stuff like that. It's just, it's simply that it's changed, you know, for instance, uh, and we've talked about this as well in the uh, podcast, but people generally don't follow a blog like they used to in the in the new days of blogging. And so what I mean is it used to be that you'd use some sort of RSS feed mm-hmm. and you would get kind of blog updates every day. And you would literally, you'd check a blog every day to see if the people that you were interested in following would post. And we don't do that anymore. We do that on things like Instagram and Facebook. You know, we follow people and we, you know, see their posts as they post, but not so much with things like blogging. So like you said, I think mailing lists are so effective because they allow you to show up, you know, in people's inboxes. And again, that's the power of an email list right there is that almost everybody has an email. Email is still how the world runs. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree. Like it is the one thing that everyone is checking a million times a day and likely clicking even when they, I think we're just trained to click through on emails. And so someone might like land on your website just out of like habit, just to see and be curious on what's going on on your website. So I love email lists. I think they're the best. They sound, I think the reason why people don't like them is they're not super sexy. They're just kind of like, they're kind of boring. And like you said, they seem like they're dead, but I just, I couldn't disagree more. I think they're so valuable. I think what we do is we project some of the frustrations that we have, uh, maybe when visiting a website or in receiving spam email and then decide, you know, oh, well, well, I'll never do that because I think it's annoying. So pop-ups, I think is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Oh, pop-ups are so annoying. I'll never have one. But the reason that people still have pop-ups is because while they might be a little bit annoying, they're also super effective. Mm -hmm. There's also ways to make them less annoying. You know, I think they're annoying when you can't click out of them easily or when they show up at odd times or if they show up repeatedly over and over again, even after you've X'd out of them. But the uh, reason that people use them is because they are super effective, especially when they're well done. And I think the same is true for email. We all hate getting spam email, but but there are probably emails that you look out for. But there are some people that I look forward to getting their emails every single day. Yes, they send an email every day. And I look forward to getting it. And you know what happens to the people that, you know, I don't uh, enjoy their emails anymore. I hit unsubscribe and that's okay too. And we can talk a little bit about that as well. It's just one metric I don't pay much attention to is unsubscribes. But where should we get started? Where do you think people have the most trouble when it comes to email lists? I think we need to talk about the why. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we sending emails? Is it to just annoy people and send promotions or is there more to it than that? And one of the quotes that I come back to is from Simon Sinek, this book called Start With Why, which I got my husband and my father-in-law reading. They do not do marketing. (laughs) They love it. And it's people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And you get an opportunity to tell people about who you are and kind of really why you're in business or why you do what you do. It's so much more personal. It's a big part of the branding process. So emails just warm people up really quickly. Yeah, I would agree that email or having an email list, nurturing people through emails is one of the best ways to nurture people. And so what I mean is to uh, get them warmed up so that they know you better. It's just a, it's a great way to continue the conversation. So with an email list, 
one, you know that you're you're cutting through the noise, so to speak. Granted, you still have to cut through the noise of, of somebody's inbox. So you definitely want to do things the right way. But unlike a social media scroll where you're hoping that somebody, you know, the algorithm is treating you well, you're hoping that whatever you're posting is interesting enough that somebody stops and actually opens up the caption and reads it. With email, you're landing in somebody's inbox and you're landing in their inbox because they raised their hand and said, hey, it's okay for you to send me emails. So it's a great way to introduce people to kind of the best of you. You know, to continue that conversation, you can point people to content that you've already created that they're probably interested in uh, from your blog or, you know, in this case, you know, I send emails about podcast episodes and, you know, tips for website design and pairing fonts and uh, SEO and Facebook ads and so on and so forth. So it's a great way to get to know people a little bit more for them to get to know you and then hopefully get them in a position where one day they'll trust you enough to purchase from you. Yeah. So you bring up that big thing about no like and trust. There are, as you know, many web designers out there. There are other Pinterest strategists, but there might be one thing, one reason why someone really likes you. Maybe they love boat shoes and lacrosse. Let's say that's something you talk about online. They might really connect with you over that. Maybe they like that I'm a mom and you really get the opportunity to go beyond what you do and get to share. I like to share a lot of little stories, even in my newsletter before I get to my content. And I've had so many people out of nowhere just come to me and reply and say, Hey, I love getting your emails. I look forward to reading them. And in the beginning, it was awkward. And I think a lot of people feel like it's so uncomfortable. And you just have to move past being uncomfortable and kind of put yourself being okay with being uncomfortable with the idea of writing a bunch of strangers on the internet. You get an opportunity to, in a methodical way, nurture a relationship, right? I mean, with social media, you're just kind of hoping what you're posting at that time connects with you know, where somebody is in their relationship with you. Whereas with email, when somebody signs up for your email list, you can set up a sequence so they get certain emails at a certain time period, right? So people who are new to that email list um, will often get what's called a welcome uh, sequence or an indoctrination sequence. And so you have the opportunity to actually introduce yourself, share a little bit about who you are and and why you're an authority in your uh, in your area. So you have the opportunity to share a little bit about who you are, give people expectations on the kind of content that you're sending, and tell people why you're an expert in what you do. And so you can start at ground zero with your relationship and then take them in a natural progression to kind of where you want to lead them. Whereas I think with social media, that's just a little bit more difficult to do. Yeah. and But I also think there's the cross-pollination effort. Somebody can see the content and value you provide, and you can really establish that authority through your emails and your blog posts. And then you can be really fun and playful with them on Instagram stories. So those are my two favorite ways of kind of combining both. Like you're a person, but you're also you know, you're obviously recommending something or sharing about your your expertise. So they work really well together. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's just one of the strengths of emails is that you can send people to wherever you want them to go, mm-hmm. whether it be your Instagram account, if that's where you regularly show up, or maybe it's Snapchat. We were talking about that a little bit before uh, the episode, your blog, podcast, wherever it might be, you can send them there. And again, that's like you said, a really good way just to build that no like trust uh, element. Well, I'd love to really know what your recommendations on like literally the tech of starting an email list? Like where do you get started there? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing to do is to choose an email marketing platform. In my original blog post on this uh, subject, 
I lay out like four or five different email platforms to choose from. I don't do that any longer because I think this is one of the things that people get overwhelmed with. And so really, I just, I make a single uh, recommendation and that's to go with ConvertKit. And I make this recommendation because ConvertKit has an entry level price. So something that's affordable, I think, for somebody who is just getting started. And then in addition to that, the app is intuitive enough to use, even if you're just getting started. So you can get started with that platform and feel at home, even if you don't know the ins and outs of it. Does that make sense? No, I totally agree. I mean, I am familiar with different um, email networks, whatever they're called. And ConvertKit is intuitive. It's very like, imagery based. You don't have to be an expert in funnels. It can help you kind of figure out the way to go. And so I think it is a good entry level email provider. And you know, occasionally people ask me what I think about MailChimp and MailChimp is interesting because I, I believe they still have a free um, yeah. So they still have a free plan. Uh, and you can, you can absolutely like if it's between getting started and not getting started and it comes down to cost, then sure. Go with MailChimp. I think that's a great free opportunity. It's only free for a certain amount of emails or subscribers. There's limits to it being free, but it will at least get you started. There are other platforms out there. I am happy to answer questions about those platforms. So if somebody has a question, either comment on the blog post or comment in the show notes. I'll, I'll let you know what I think. I've tried a bunch of them. I've tried, let's say I've tried Drip. I've tried Infusionsoft. I've tried Send in Blue, which I don't know if many people have heard of. That's actually one that I'm trying out right now. So I'm happy to report back about my experience with that. But in general, ConvertKit is a, a tried and true option. And because it's so popular, it's going to have integrations with a lot of other tools that you might use. So if you're if you're using a WordPress, Squarespace, Show It website, you'll be able to integrate your mailing list easily. So and then it integrates with Zapier as well, which allows for thousands of other integrations. So I think it's a good place to start. Yeah, I think if you're selling a product, um, I would probably just go ahead and skip over MailChimp, which I've used, um, because it's really difficult to like, for example, if you were to purchase something I sell, like a course or something like that, I can tag you on ConvertKit as a purchaser. So you're no longer going to be getting all the promotional emails for that course, because I've already sold it to you. And that could be really irritating. I feel like a MailChimp you're just kind of like winging it and likely sending people the same stuff over and over again, which maybe they'll forgive you if they love you. Yeah. So. And, and you can segment people on MailChimp, but it's not as intuitive as no, it is in ConvertKit where you can just tag people and yeah. um, easily create different segments and so on and so forth. So yeah. if you're getting started, highly recommend checking out ConvertKit. I'll include a link for that in the show notes. So what's next? My biggest question is, okay, so we have talked about the why. We know we need to be doing it and the tech. The question is, how do we get people on that email list? Do Absolutely. they just come to build it? And Absolutely. Come? Biggest mistake when getting started with the email list is having a form on your website that says, join my newsletter. Because <laughs> the truth is people don't want to join newsletters. When you say, join my newsletter, you're basically saying, well, let me fill your inbox with even more emails. And again, it's not that people don't want to receive emails, but they want us to receive content or promotions that are relevant to them. All right. So any uh, email marketing platform that you use, um, if it's any good, at least it's going to give you an opportunity to embed a form. All right. So uh, within ConvertKit, this is super easy, but you'll create a form, you'll get a little piece of code and then, or, and there's a bunch of different ways to embed it. But just for the sake of brevity, uh, you can embed a form onto your website and then people can complete that form to get on your email list. But why would they complete that form? 
Well, they complete that form in exchange for something usually free from you. So for instance, having some sort of downloadable. So that might be something like if you're a wedding photographer, nine ways to get the most out of your engagement photos or nine ways to take stellar engagement pictures, something like that. You want to make sure that whatever that content is, that it's relevant to what you do, right? There's plenty of ways to get people's attention or to get them on your email list, but you want to make sure that you get qualified people on your email list. Okay. Because remember for everybody who signs up, you're paying for them as a subscriber. So you want a way to qualify them. So if you're a photographer, like I said, it might be something like, uh, or if you're a family photographer, a few tips on getting your kids to behave during a session. I think that would be a huge, especially as I think of Jack and a couple of meltdowns that he had just today, <laughs> um, that would be a highly relevant lead magnet for somebody who is a family photographer or for somebody who is a parent looking to get family photos. So whatever it is, you want to make sure that it's relevant to your audience and that it offers a serious value to them. I want to bring up something that's interesting because occasionally your business shifts and you start doing something a little bit different, or maybe you just have a bunch of random people on your list and you might need to scrub people. And that literally means that you clean out your um, email list because you're paying for those subscribers. So occasionally I'll just go ahead and do this like a couple times a year, maybe once a quarter, I'll look through. And if someone is not engaging with my emails or not opening them over a long period of time, I can resend them. And Davey has a really cool idea for this. I'll let him share. You can resend them an email, ask them if they want to stay on it. If not, then you can say goodbye to them because we really do want to be speaking to the people who really want to hear from us. And sometimes people move on. Maybe they don't need Pinterest tips anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think that there's really any problem with unsubscribes. I appreciate an unsubscribe more than I than somebody who just stays on my list but never opens the email or never clicks when they open the email. So like Vanessa said, I think it's very important to keep a healthy list. And what that occasionally means is, is just cleaning your list. So for people who haven't opened an email from us in 90 days, we give them a specific tag and then we delete them. And that hurts sometimes only because I think it's more of a pride thing though, you know, because we all want to talk about, you know, the size of our email list and everything. But it's going to help in terms of opening click rates. So once you, if you keep a healthy email list, you'll notice that those rates go up and you know, the more people who are not opening your email or, you know, even worse people who are getting your emails and don't want them anymore, but instead of hitting unsubscribe, they hit like spam or something like that. Email service providers understand that, you know, there is sort of an algorithm when it comes to email okay. as well. So, you know, the more people that are doing that, the more likely you are to end up in spam for other people who just, who have subscribed to your email list and want to get your emails. So it's important to clean your email list every once in a while. I mean, we're getting ready. I think I was looking at that today. I've, I think 1200 people to remove from my email list, which is a lot of people, but again, it's going to keep my uh, list healthy. And if those people aren't opening my emails anyways, what does it matter whether they're on it or not? Yeah, no, it is painful, especially when you're in the beginning. Like if you feel like you just got to 500 subscribers and you're going to scrub two, it can feel really painful. Um, two things that you brought up is one, I was going to put you on the spot and ask you if there is, and I think you answered this, like a Gmail algorithm, for lack of a better word, of open rates. Does Gmail know that like 30% of people are open your emails, which is a very good open rate? Or... Do they have that kind of technology to figure that out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they don't know, they don't necessarily know your open and click rates, right? Because you're probably sending emails to people who don't have Gmail. So you're probably sending across, um, right. you know, multiple email service providers, but they do have an idea of your reputation based on 
the users that have, you know, Gmail, for instance, or, or in Google's case. So there are different factors they use. Uh, so whether somebody opens an email, whether they market as spam, you know, what folder. So a lot of times we'll find that uh, our marketing emails end up in people's promotions folder. If you have a promotions folder, um, a lot of that kind of stuff, you're just kind of stuck with. I mean, we send test emails to ourselves. Uh, that still end up in promotions folders, even when we mark them not as promotion. So some of it is just Google doing what Google wants, which is what, you know, is typical of Google, right? But the short answer is yes, email service providers do keep track of whether your emails are, I guess, deemed valuable or not. So you do have a reputation score, so to speak, right? And you want to make sure that you maintain your reputation so that you end up in people's primary email box. And this is a good thing to highlight. If you aren't providing value, I, okay, let me start the positive sense. If, if you're providing value in your email and people are engaging with it, maybe they're opening it right away and they're clicking through, I assume that means they're going to get higher ranking in the type of folder that they're going to show up. And not always. Even today, I looked in my promotions folder just randomly and there were a couple email people that I open all the time. I'm like, no, get back into my main inbox. And so it does happen. But again, if you're providing poor quality emails that someone is too lazy to unsubscribe and you're not engaging with it, then Gmail is going to likely shove you to the bottom of the list. So I think there's some things to do. Do you have any recommendations of using like graphics, video, GIFs? Does that affect deliverability? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's so much that goes into it. It's kind of hard to say. Like some people send only, you know, imagery based emails and they still have no problem landing in people's inboxes. Although you'll, you'll frequently read that you should limit the amount of images that you include in an email uh, so that you're more likely to end up in, in somebody's inbox. So that's why ConvertKit, for instance, is very much about sort of the plain text editor, right? Whereas with MailChimp, you can drag and drop images and link from those images and so on and so forth. So in general, I think plain text emails are better than uh, emails that are that have a ton of images in them. Um, clickbaity stuff, you know, I mean, it might get you an open, like if you have a sort of a clickbaity, I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to make it one. Um, yeah. If you have a subject line that doesn't connect with the the stuff you have in the in the body of your email, maybe good for initial opens, but one, you're going to burn trust real quick. Like if you keep doing that, one, people are just going to stop opening your emails or they market as spam. And again, and although I don't pay too much attention to unsubscribes, like if people get frustrated, a lot of people are going to start unsubscribing. A lot more people than normal will start unsubscribing from your emails. So I've tested sort of witty headlines versus more just kind of upfront, this is what the email's about headlines, all right, or subject lines rather. In general, the stuff that's that's clear, uh, that's more specific to exactly what somebody's going to find in the email outperforms something that's like witty or clever, all right? There's obviously like, there's always going to be a couple exceptions, but in general, I would be super clear about what people are going to find in that email. I've also found with witty subject lines that sometimes the open rate is higher, but the click rate is a lot lower. And again, I think because it piques people's curiosity, but then when they go to the email, they don't find what they're looking for, or they realize they weren't uh, interested in that topic anyways. And so they don't click. So these are all things that you, that you'll want to test, but in general, if you say an email is about something, you want to make sure that when people open it, that they find information about that, right? Yeah. And I think some of that is slightly brand dependent. Like obviously, if you're typically kind of witty and funny, people might really be interested in that. But I I do get annoyed when I get tricked. And sometimes if I get tricked, that you get an unsubscribe from me. And that's partly because I really value like loyalty and honesty and like realness. It's just kind of me. And so it, it kind of like 
I'm very sensitive to that. But and anyway. just time in general. You know, like when, if we take the time to open the email and get distracted by that and it's not what we expected, you know, I think that there's that element, like I do the same thing, you know, that element of letdown where I might just unsubscribe from that email because I don't, I don't have time for, for those games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always there for a good gif and good humor though. I will say if you make me laugh, I might stay on your list. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a place for that kind of stuff. Um, for sure. Even though in general, best practice is to limit the images. Yeah. So we kind of alluded earlier in the email or in this podcast about the welcome sequence. And so when someone subscribes to your email, you obviously want to make sure that that lead generation piece that you have um, is, so for example, for me, it's like a Pinterest startup guide, that it's easily deliverable. And I think ConvertKit makes this a lot easier than something like MailChimp. MailChimp, you have to lead to a Google Drive box or something like that. But then you have this nurturing sequence. And then you can do a lot with that. Like, do you put people on a nurturing sequence? And then then they start receiving your regular emails? Or do you just toss them all in together? How do you like to handle that? Yeah, that's a good question. So in general, I think best practice is to put somebody through a sort of indoctrination or welcome sequence. So a series of emails that they get that, again, establishes you as an authority, introduces people to you, um, tells people what they should expect, you know, so what really what's What's kind of the benefit of sticking around? And then, you know, it's always good to give people some sort of bonus content. So especially in that first email, that might come in the way of an offer. But even better than that, I think is just access to some awesome free content that is relevant to, you know, why they came in the first place. So if they downloaded a lead magnet, again, going back to that family photographer example on, you know, keeping your kids behaved during a family session, then maybe it's a couple blog posts or another guide that you give them on uh, dressing your kids for the occasion, you know? So I don't know, some sort of style guide uh, for the, for the family session, but it's still relevant to why people showed up in the first place and gives them that much more value and maybe encourages them to stick around and not unsubscribe just because they've gotten the initial guide from you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And actually I just thought of that point about, doesn't it require on average seven marketing touches before someone buys from you? And so, so if you got to get if you have to get to seven, you can get there a lot quicker with email than hoping and praying that they see all your different um, interactions across the internet. So it just yeah, it just gets people there quicker. You're beating out your competition too if they're not using it that way. And again, because you can send people to other places as well. You can tell them if they're not following you on Instagram to go follow you on Instagram because you more regularly show up there. And that's a way to build trust. I think I read somewhere and I don't know, I can't remember where I read it. Uh, so I hesitate saying it because I can't cite the evidence. But apparently people who teach others how to date, you know, basically how to pick up people teach them a technique of bringing them to another location. So if you're standing somewhere in a bar, right, and you're talking to somebody, just the act of saying, hey, do you want to come over here to another place in the uh, in the restaurant or in the bar or whatever, it builds trust with that person if they actually take that step of, uh, you know, of following you to another place. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like you getting them to say yes, like many yeses along the way. Exactly. And that's that's exactly, thank God you're here. So I yeah, didn't go yeah. down this weird, creepy rabbit hole funny. of like, get people to follow <laughs> you elsewhere. Jeez. No, but exactly. You know, what you're doing is you're getting, you're, you're getting people to make a commitment, right? But it's yeah. a small commitment. It's that many yeah. yes. So again, telling people to follow you in another place is a great idea. Um, something else I want to distinguish uh, between before we move forward, because uh, I don't think we've talked about this yet, is the difference between an email sequence and a broadcast. All right. So uh, okay. what we're what we've been talking about is an email sequence. So it's a series of emails that are scheduled 
uh, that are created and pre-scheduled that will go automated. out. Yeah, exactly. It's all automated. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a broadcast is more of like your newsletter setup. So when you yeah. send an email broadcast, it's a one-off email. It generally goes to your entire list or a segment of your list, but it's not automated. So it's it's more manual in that you write the email, then you hit send. And if you want to send, send it again, you have to go and hit send again. Yeah. And ideally you're doing both. So just to give you all an example, um, my welcome sequence is like 12 emails, which sounds like a lot. It used to be only three, but then it kind of takes you into an evergreen funnel for something. So that's kind of happening in the background. But then also I used to write a blog post every week. So I just wrote a corresponding email that goes with the blog post and it was always sent on Friday morning. I don't know if it's the best time, maybe Monday is the worst day, right? Because people get too much email. Anyway, and so it would always go out on Friday. But whenever I write a blog post, I write a broadcast email to go with it. And I tell them, hey, here's what's on the blog this week to get them back over to my blog. And for some reason that just, again, it's just building that trust and showing up throughout the year. So if I were to do a launch, they didn't just hear from me seven months ago when they signed up for the list, they've been hearing from me all along. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a similar model where if people uh, join our email list, they go through some sort of welcome sequence, then they'll more regularly receive emails from us on a weekly basis. They may, depending on actions they take in different uh, broadcasts and stuff like that, they might end up in another sequence, or, you know, especially uh, around a launch. But uh, in general, they'll be hearing from us on a weekly basis throughout the year. And you know, I, I guess a couple things uh, that I'd like to touch on before we move on from here, because I know we're about to hit our time for this episode. With keeping it short. I know, we do. But going back to lead magnet and just developing that initial piece of content, I know that so many people have issues figuring out what to write about or what to offer. And it doesn't have to be super complicated. You should keep value top of your mind. What's most valuable to people is often, you know, whatever question you get asked the most or whatever fear you hear come up. We've done family photography before. So one thing that we often heard was, I'm going to apologize for my kids in advance. And so that's why uh, that lead magnet around children behaving, I think would be just killer for a family photographer. So keep in mind the questions that people ask you, because if you're getting the question more than once, it might make for good content for a downloadable. You want to make sure that it's benefit focused, that people understand the benefit of downloading that guide or what they're going to get in return for giving you their email address. Because even though you're, it's free, it's not enough. Like People understand that if they give you an email address, they're going to get other emails from you, right? Like We're all smart enough to, to figure that out you know, like, because it's just so prevalent. So make sure that you focus on those benefits and then make sure that, you know, like for instance, if you're, if you have a pop-up or if you have a link to some sort of opt-in form on your website, that the language you use, like whatever your language you're, you're using in a blog post to describe this content, that you use similar language on the, on the landing page and that in the guy, that everything is congruent, right? Everything right. Um, makes sense from one place to another. And so when people download the guide, they're like, Oh, wait, I didn't, you know, I thought the guide was going to be on something else. All right. So a couple tips for creating a lead magnet. I know that's like the biggest pain point for people, but again, we've had really successful lead magnets that are one page. You know, it's just a template for something. So it doesn't have to be super long. It just has to be valuable. Yeah. And you could even do like a video series if you feel more comfortable doing that. Like you mentioned a PDF, you could do all different things where, or maybe it's like if you sell a product, let's say you're like some kind of stock photography, it could literally just be five free images. So it doesn't have to be an education guide, but obviously that's what you and I do. So I've had 
great success from this. And I've had very little tech issues. In fact, I haven't checked it in a while. It makes me wonder if I should go check it. But so far, people are joining the list. Everything seems to be running smoothly. So it's not as scary as it seems. And it's pretty easy now, even if you're not a designer, to create stuff that looks good. You know, I know a lot of people do this in PowerPoint or Keynote, and then they just export it as a PDF. Another way to do it is Canva. I don't have as much experience with Canva, but I know a lot of people who use it because it's easy to use. And I think it's relatively inexpensive to use as well. I think my guide is creating in Canva. So yeah, you can definitely do. If you want to go look at mine, you can go check it out. But Keynote blows my mind just as a side note on what you can actually do beyond just doing a slideshow. Yeah, it's and it's super easy. Like uh, Almost everybody's going to have access to either PowerPoint yeah. or Keynote. So yeah. you can go in there, design something that looks nice, export it as a PDF, and then you're you're good to go. So there's really no excuse from, I think, a technology standpoint not to get started. There's so many tutorials online as well. Like for each of these pieces that we've talked about from a technology aspect, I think we have tutorials on how to do each of them on our website somewhere. So for instance, um, embedding a form on a Show It or WordPress website. I know we have tutorials in our YouTube channel about how to do that. So don't let the technology piece keep you from getting this done. Because really, there's not all that many elements to it. There's signing up for an email platform, creating a form, embedding that form on your website, all right? Making sure that you have some sort of lead magnet or reward, you know, in other words, a reward for people putting their email address in. And then all of that is set up within the form itself in ConvertKit. You know, it's all when you set up the form, you'll put in the, the lead magnet incentive, you know, how it's delivered, right? So all of that's taken care of in the same technology piece. And then creating the lead magnet, you're doing that in Canva. All right. And then after that, you're simply throwing people into an email sequence. And these are, I think to get started, a great email sequence, you know, three to five emails. I agree. Yeah. That's it. Keep it simple. You know, get people, introduce people who you are, get people your favorite content, tell people what to expect, ask them them to take another action and you're done. Yeah, actually too, go ahead and throw in a little thing at the bottom that says, hey, do you have any questions? Hit reply and let me know. I am always surprised how many emails I get from people who are joining the list who reply, just tell me who they are and why they decided to join my list. And I love that feedback. It just feels really personal. It makes that real person connection happen quickly. Yeah, and going back to email deliverability, when people respond to you, that's great for email deliverability because it indicates to uh, Google and other email service providers that you are indeed a real person that can be talked with. Google gold, which we really need. We can't (laughs) control Google, but we know that we need it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, um, anything else that we didn't cover? I mean, I think we need to do a separate episode on getting people to see and actually like getting masses of people to the um, landing page to sign up for your email list. But I feel like Pinterest can play a role in that. So can SEO. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll definitely have to do a couple more uh, episodes on building your email list and making the most out of your email list, actually getting sales from your email list. I think that would be uh, a great episode as well. There is another episode about email lists. Um, it's one of the founder series with uh, Nate Grahek. He is the CEO of Sticky, which provides email marketing tools for photographers in particular. So if you're a photographer and you're interested in getting into email marketing, you'll want to go and check out that episode as well. Vanessa, thanks again for joining me for this discussion on email marketing. Love it. Don't be afraid to get started, guys. You can do it. That's right. You can do it. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DavianCrista.com.